You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Thank you for coming out today to celebrate these dedications. I know it's really hot um, in here. Um, That's good for me because if you fall asleep, I'm not going to blame it on me. I'm going to blame it on the heat. So um, hopefully we'll all stay awake. But um, yeah, so today is an exciting day. We're getting to celebrate three new additions um, to our church family. And um, the parents that are going to come up, not three new additions, four new additions, that are going to come up, um, and the parents are going to come up later. Um, These parents are all amazing parents already. Um, They're going to be amazing parents, and they're going to love their children unconditionally and, and sacrifice for the benefit of their children. I felt like God just wanted to encourage you guys um, today that you are equipped to raise these unique children, that God um, knows you, he knows your children, and he he has just gifted you in such a way that you're really just going to prosper your children. Um, I know for a fact, oh, Tim's not here, but Tim has got the best set of dad jokes of anyone. Um, I'm sure if you don't believe me, ask him. Um, and I can already see just the eye rolls of 15-year-old Maria as he tells her mates the same joke five times. <laughs> but um, as any parent here knows, and anyone who has a parent or has experienced a parent knows, parents are fallible. Um, we're painfully aware of that sometimes. And these guys, for all their wonderful God-given gifts and not enough on their own for their kids to grow and have full and happy lives. Sorry, it's just not true. It's just natural. Um, As humans, um, we are fallible, and it's part of relationships sometimes that we just let people down. I don't want to tread on the toes of what we're going to talk about later when we do the dedications, but what I think is great and actually a little bit radical is that the parents that are going to come up today to dedicate their children have recognized that point. They know, that, they know it because they live their life in reference to a perfect God, a, a perfect parent who has loved them unconditionally and importantly hasn't let them down. And their reaction to this has been twofold. One is to say, obviously, they want to dedicate their child to God. They want to put them in his hands and they want to ask him to help them prosper their children and equip their children. But secondly, is to acknowledge that they need other people's help to do it. And that's to welcome us as friends and family and the wider church community to, to ensure that their kids thrive, to support their kids, to teach their kids, to, to love their kids and, and encourage them to follow a relationship with God. And that's kind of what I want to look at today. God's plan has always been this, that we, that we work as a community um, to push each other on to a deeper relationship with God. And, and here we buy into that. These parents are so good at having lots of aunts and uncles in this church for their kids. We have a desire in this church to operate as a family where we all play a part, where as a community we're committed to developing each other. So uh, this week we're starting a new series of talks and for the next four weeks I believe we're going to be looking at the, in the Bible at someone that's called Timothy. Um, we're going to be looking at different attributes of his character 
and we're going to try and apply it to our lives. And this week, we're going to be looking at Timothy as the son. Timothy had a great relationship with one of, I think, the heroes of the, new, the early church um, in the time shortly after Jesus walked the earth, a man called Paul. And Paul writes to Timothy, and in 1 Timothy 1-2, he describes Timothy as his true son in the faith. We're going to be unpacking what that phrase means, and we're going to be looking at Paul as a kind of spiritual father to Timothy. Timothy as his spiritual son, and what it means for us to be fathers, mothers, daughters, and sons to each other. So, by introduction, what do we know about Timothy? Well, we know that he was part of the second generation of Christian leaders. Up until this point, the people who were leading the church had been around mostly when Jesus had been around, and, and they maybe knew him. Some of them were his disciples. Um, and so, uh, up until this point, so many, many Christians had the opportunity to meet Jesus face-to-face, but this wasn't true of Timothy. Timothy was the next generation, and as the next generation, he relied on the first generation to, to teach them everything they knew about Jesus. Timothy grew up in a town called Lystra. He was the son of a Jewish mom and a Greek father. Not much is actually known about his biological father, other than that he probably wasn't a Christian, um, but we don't really know. But what we do know is his mom, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, had raised him deep in the scriptures of the Jewish religion, and they had fostered this relationship with God. It's actually thought that his dual nationality, as a little aside, meant that he was the perfect companion for Paul, taking the gospel out of what was a small Jewish community into the wider world. It's likely um, that Timothy ultimately started following Jesus after Paul visits his hometown. And in Acts, we read that shortly after this visit, Paul returns to his town. And at this stage, Timothy is an established leader in the town, and he's, he's well regarded and he's thought of highly. As a result, Paul invites him along for the ride. He invites Timothy to join him, and that's where their relationship really grows and develops. We think that Timothy was pretty young when all this happens. Some people say as young as you know, 20, some people say up to 30 and 40. But after, he follow, but after this, anyway, he follows Paul around the globe, spreading the good news. Eventually, Paul asks Timothy to go to a church in Ephesus and to lead it and troubleshoot some of the problems that the church was having. The church had been sort of dogged with false teachers and they were leading people astray. The church was pretty much in chaos and so Timothy was set to sort it, sent to sort it out. And while he's there, Paul doesn't leave him on his own. He, he writes two letters to Timothy um, whilst he's at Ephesus and this kind of forms the body of most of the stuff that we know about Timothy. It's actually sometimes um, debated whether Paul wrote these letters to Timothy. Um, His tone's slightly different to other letters he writes directly to churches. But I think the reason for this, the reason why it's different, is he's writing personal letters to a son. He's had so much shared experience with this young man of God. and, And 
this intimacy come acro- comes across through their letters. And I love these letters. They're so real. Paul says to them, look, people shouldn't get drunk, but you should make sure you have a bit of wine because I know you've got stomach problems. And um, you, could you please bring me my winter coat? I'm in prison and it's chilly. They're really real letters. They're not, they're not false stories. Um, and time and again in the Bible, we see God using this kind of father-son dynamic to build his people and, and reflect his character. And Paul's um, and Tim, Timothy's relationship is a really good example of it in action. I'm using the term spiritual son to describe Timothy and Paul's relationship. But it's not really anything, a special meaning. All it really means is Paul, as the older, more experienced person, has taken a sort of spiritual and practical role of responsibility in Timothy's life. Sometimes people kind of use this verse and this relationship as an example of business-like mentorship, of mentoring, of, of leadership, and of how to push someone on to be a great leader. But I think actually what it is is something much more deeper. And the implications of what Paul was doing in Timothy was more than just making him a good leader. It's much more like when Solomon writes words of wisdom to his son in Proverbs. In in Proverbs 4, 1 to 5, he says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son of my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. These two books um, of Tim- to Timothy are a great example of an older man of faith passing on advice and encouragement to a new leader. In fact, but in fact, as the verse in Proverbs shows, it's much more than that. It's one of the key parts of parenthood. Paul is great at fathering people in a way that builds God's kingdom. And I think there's three main ways that Paul does this that I'm going to talk about today. At the start, I want to say that father and son... Am I doing something to this? Father and son doesn't limit this message just to men. <laughs> These are points that are relevant to all of us and something we can and should get involved in. I want to point out that Timothy has this moment of parenthood. In, uh, Paul has this moment of parenthood in Timothy's life. But in the years preceding, there was years and years of Paul's mom and grandmother raising this man so he was usable, so he knew God, so that he knew scripture. I just want to affirm moms in this audience, you know, women in this audience, your role um, in our lives is significant and appreciated. So firstly, what does Paul do? Well, Paul invests. One of the roles of parenting is investing in children and, and passing on knowledge and advice. As a kind of, I think they call us snowflake millennials, I don't really understand letters. I've never really written one outside of work. So I thought that Twitter might have some answers of what is, you know, good dad advice. So I've pulled out some of my favorites. The first one, my, uh, my dad always tells me, don't use your turn signal. It's no one else's business where you're going. Great advice. Hashtag dad advice. 
My dad told me that if I ever wanted to nap during class to make it look like I'm praying, to make, to make it so my teacher couldn't get mad. Genuinely, my dad does that. He's a hospital chaplain and he's, he pr- <laughs> pretends that he's praying in the, cha- in the chapel. Um, third, at the airport, my dad said, put one shoe in each suitcase so if it gets stolen, they can't wear your shoes. <laughs> All right. So maybe the advice of Paul is slightly better than that. Um, but this is kind of what he's doing in his letters to Timothy. He's passing on the experiences that he's had in his life um, in a more conventional way, granted. The main purpose of these letters is instruction. Paul is using the letters to teach Timothy about how to deal with various difficult situations in the church that Timothy was leading and to give him an idea of how to deal with the conflict that was found there in a godly way. The leaders of the church were teaching sort of incorrect ideas on, on marriage, whether Christians should eat meat. Um, and as a result, the congregation was becoming divided and it was distracting them for what they were there for, which was spreading the gospel. Paul's message instead tells Timothy that the proper teaching should benefit the church and lead to fruitfulness in, and unity. And both 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy walk him through church leadership in relation to the scripture. But there's something that Paul does which is, from Timothy's perspective at least, much more useful and important. Paul reflects what he's, he's, he already knows of God. And he does it repetitively through these letters. Paul uses his own life as an example of God's goodness in action. For example, in, in 1 Timothy 1.15 he says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience and as as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul uses his own experience and his humility to show Timothy the depth of God's grace and patience, Often, I think, there's a temptation for us to sort of sanitize our experiences. The temptation is to give a perception of ourselves, which shows that we have it all together, that we're a finished product. But in relationship, in the father-son relationship, vulnerability is so key. Paul was aware that he was only where he was as a result of God's mercy. And by sharing that with Timothy... He gives Timothy a platform in realizing that God could use him, even with his apparent weaknesses and and shortcomings. The teaching of God's grace comes alive when we share these vulnerable examples of what God has done in our lives. And Timothy's response to, to Paul's vulnerability was to be vulnerable in return, and it was to be teachable. Timothy already, already knew the Bible. We know he knew the scriptures well. He was an accomplished teacher, and, and Paul even commends him on it. Um, but what was really needed for, for Timothy to, to go to that next level was for an older, more experienced Christian to walk him through and turn the scripture into a living, breathing entity. It was exactly what the dodgy leaders in Ephesus had forgotten. They were thinking that the scripture was all about rules and regulations, and ultimately they were even getting those rules and regulations wrong. Paul says to to Timothy, no, 
No, the scripture is about showing the state of humanity, the condition of humanity. It's about the fact that we need God. And it reveals now that Jesus was able to bridge that gap on the cross. This relationship gave, gave Timothy an edge on the other leaders. Good knowledge of the Bible without relationship with God doesn't get us very far. Of course, God reveals himself to us in his word. But I wonder if Timothy would have, would have got there, would have had the same spiritual relationship with God if it hadn't been for these times and this investment of Paul. Learning firsthand from someone is so important to our walk with God. I want to encourage us to get involved in this. It's, it's not about sitting someone down and, and imposing yourself on someone without a relationship or context. But if you're an older Christian in the church, us younger ones really need your wisdom and experience in our lives. The established and, and long long-in-the-tooth relationship you've had with God can really push us to a deeper relationship with God. But that's not to say that you need 30 years of experience as a Christian to share your experience or to have an impact. If you've had any relationship with God, you have something to share. You may feel like you've got nothing to offer, but this is something that all of us get to be involved in. I often think of my, my friend Rich and He's one of the newer Christians that I, I know well. But I always get something amazing from his fresh revelation of God that's always so life-giving and challenging to hear. And equally, we all have to be Timothys in this situation. It's up to us as, as younger people to seek out those spiritual fathers and mothers and, and, and get the wisdom from them. We need to be teachable. We need to be humble. and We need to be le- ready to learn. But maybe you're one of those Christians that are 20 years in, 30 years in. I want to challenge you to think, who's ahead of you? Who, who in your life can you learn from? Who in your life can, can still father you in this way? It, your age isn't excluding you from getting involved in this. There's always a deeper revelation of God to be had. So secondly, um, Paul champions and affirms Timothy. Timothy is kind of um, famous, I guess, for being a little bit timid um, and a little bit sort of shy and nervous. I think it's surprising that he's known for that, given that everything that he achieved, the job he took on, um, the fact that Paul was literally writing to him from prison after being stoned and um, persecuted. I think I might also be a little bit timid if I was him, but... Paul, knowing his spiritual son well, takes quite a lot of time in his letters to Timothy, calling out the gold in Timothy and encouraging him not to be dismayed in the face of adversity um, or the, even the perceived shortcomings in his personality. He says to him, you know, God gives us a, fear, a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love and self-control. And he doesn't just affirm this privately, in his letters to other churches, he highlights Timothy's giftings and he commends Timothy. For example, in Philippians 2.22, he says, But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Again, this is something that we all get to play around with, whether we see ourselves as, as fathers or not. 
is a really important part of our community to encourage each other. This isn't about shallow flattery. Um, Paul remembers the words that people have spoken over Timothy in the past, the prophecies that people have, have shared about what God thinks of Timothy. He sees this gifting in Timothy and he's, he's not afraid to lavishly pour out this encouragement to Timothy. I think sometimes it's maybe an English problem, although maybe that's an unfair analysis, is that we can sometimes be a bit embarrassed about this open kind of encouragement. Or maybe we worry that people will get big-headed and proud. Um, or maybe, if we're honest, we're a little bit jealous that they've got a gifting that, that we want ourselves. But Paul's not afraid of this. Paul doesn't shy away from it. Paul wants to see the next generation go even further than he did, um, especially in Timothy as his time comes to an end. He, he, he wants them to know that, and they can only do that with a firm identity in Christ. So he cements Timothy's identity in the words that God has spoken over him. In 1 Timothy 1.18, he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered with regard to the faith. As sons and daughters, we need to understand what our identity is before God, our Father. When we forget it, we can find ourselves in all kinds of trouble. (laughs) If we have an overly religious and pious view of God, we can find ourselves trying to pursue performance and we enter a kind of tick box exercise of trying to be a good person, whatever that means. I found it in myself. I, when I was sort of late teens and, and early 20s, I tried really hard what, kind of what to do, what, you know, to do right in front of God. I would, I'd go to church, I'd, I'd put a good front on for the right people, I would say the right things, I would do the right things, but I always kind of felt like I was missing a mark, I always felt like I was kind of failing and falling short. I was kind of trying to put points on my spiritual scorecard rather than pursuing intimacy with God, my dad. It meant that I effectively gave up. I felt like it was unachievable, so I guess what was the point in trying? And it meant that outside of the Sunday morning that I was mostly forced to attend, my relationship with God was pretty much non-existent, and I just kind of did whatever felt good in the moment. It meant that I kind of looked all right on the outside, but on the inside I was completely rotten. A.W. Tozer, who is a pastor and an author, says this about how God views us. He remembers our frame and knows that we are dust. He may sometimes chasten us, it's true. But even as he does, he does with a smile. The proud, tender smile of a father who is bursting with pleasure over an imperfect but promising son who is coming every day to look more and more like the one whose child he is. Isn't that amazing? When we realize that we stand in front of God as a son or as a daughter, we realize that it's not about performance or hitting the right mark at all. 
We've not earned it. It doesn't matter whether we're performing. It doesn't matter if we're attending all the right meetings or serving on every team possible, whether we do everything by the book. We're all going to fail at that. We've all probably already failed at that, and we all fall, up, fall short of it. It's about a relationship with our Father who picks us up, who, who wipes away our tears, who puts us on that solid rock. He forgives our shortcomings and he sits down with us and he tells you, you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you. And this is what Paul knew Timothy needed to hear and if if he was going to be effective in his ministry and took him from being a good Bible teacher to a community builder, to a church builder, to a radical Christian rather than having a need to please and impress and Timothy walks in this identity of being a son. And everything that he does is, is out on the outflow of that. Where he was timid, he's got courage. And where he feels overwhelmed, he has confidence. Where he needs to discipline people and turn them around, he does it out of love rather than out of authority. And, and, that, and um, Paul clearly played a big part in that. And... Paul just affirms what God is already saying to Timothy. He just reminds Timothy what God's already set above him in prophetic words that have gone before. And that's what we can do. We can, we can ask God to reveal the giftings or qualities in each person. And when we're told by God or, or where we observe it, we should be quick to share it. I just want to affirm that in this church, we have a wealth of people who are so good at this already. Um, Steve Page, as I often call my Ealing dad. Um, You might hate that I'm saying this, but you spend five minutes with Steve and he's been vulnerable about what God's doing in his life. He's shared openly. He's called out the gold on you. He's encouraged you. And you leave leaving just feeling like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. I don't know whether you're here and... um, Maybe that's not your experience, but God wants to highlight this today, that, that, that you are his son and you are his daughter. So finally, and I'm coming into land, um, Paul longs for his son, Timothy. In Timothy 2, um, 1, 4, Paul says that he longs to see him. He's desperate to see him again. And Paul repeats this throughout Timothy, how he longs for, for this reconnection with Timothy, and he wants Timothy to come and see him quickly. This strong bond means that when the father and son are absent from each other, they feel as if part of their team is missing. I don't know whether you're here and, and, and you've, you don't really know who God is. Maybe, maybe you have had some relationship with before. I don't know what your view of him is. Maybe you've come as a guest. You've never thought about him before. But like Paul for Timothy, regardless of that, God is longing for you. God is, God is not distant. He's not far off. He's pursuing you. He, he wants relationship with you. That's why in the Bible we find him giving us a deeper glimpse of his heart by comparing himself with a shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to seek the one that's wandered off or a woman combing through her entire house to find a lost coin or with a father who incessantly scans the horizon for the return of his, his missing son. 
God is eager for us to find him and have relationship with him. And there'll be an opportunity that, that Edward and Sarah will lead us in, but I feel like there's probably someone here today, you found yourself here today, and to be honest, you're longing for this relationship. Maybe you feel like your own father's been absent, I don't know, but you long for this, this godly father relationship where he comes and he loves you, he fathers you, he teaches you, he affirms you. And I want to let you know that, that this is available to you today. It's not, it's not earned. You don't have to fill out the right form. You don't have to tick the right boxes. It's, it's there. It's ready to go. Um, if that's you, I would love to chat to you afterwards and we can talk about that some more. And equally, I think maybe there's some people here who the, you're in a sort of circle of performance and ultimately you feel like you're failing. Um, and it's really just getting in between you and your relationship with God. I feel like God wants to release that from you today. He wants to release you from that burden of performance and, and doing things correctly. Again, um, I'm going to be hanging around at the end. And if you feel like that's you, if that's connected, then feel free to come over and we'll, we'll pray about it.